We've been speaking uh, about authority for two months now. We decided that it would be important because uh, this is such an area of uh, uh, necessary conversation. I'll say it that way. In our culture, we, we see, as we began this two months ago, a, a sense of bucking authority and, uh, and the lack of respect of authority, and I, it draws us in. But as we begin to get into that conversation, there are beautiful things about authority that I believe that are very, very critical to, to the conversation. Today is one of those, because in speaking about authority and just kind of really spending uh, quite a bit of time in the Word of God to say, well, let's look at all angles of this. There is a really beautiful angle of authority that I want us to see today. And this, this angle of authority will show us um, one of the char- uh, uh, core characters of who God really is. That God himself, being in charge of all things, could say, this is the way I'm going to do it, this is the way it's going to be, and have that kind of stance and positioning. But we see something different, and we also are going to see something about what I'm going to call as the economy of God. In other words, when we talk about economy, it's how things are exchanged and currency and things that are important. You'll understand when we get there. We're going to land today in Luke chapter 19. It was a story, a parable, a metaphor that Jesus was telling. So if you want to turn there with me, this is where we'll hover today, Luke chapter 19. If you have a device and have a Bible app on there, feel free to, uh, to bring that out. Uh, more and more when I'm saying that, I, I love looking around the room and seeing you turn or swipe, and that uh, makes a big difference. So thank you for that, uh, that growth increasing. If you don't have a Bible, uh, no problem. We'll have, the, we'll have the verses up here. Jesus began to tell a story. If you know the Bible, it's, it's, uh, it's a familiar story. And uh, it's a story of uh, God's character and also the economy of God. We begin in Luke chapter 19, verse 12. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. We're going to hold up right there in that sentence. This, this tells us about who Christ is. He's telling this story in ways that people understand. They speak his language, and, uh, and he's speaking of himself. He is the one that is of noble birth, and he has come now to earth, and he's leaving, going to a distant country, that's heaven. This is what Jesus did, by the way. He tells the story, and then, you know, he saw the disciples scratching their head, like, okay, noble birth, distant country, let me break it down for you. And so they'd sit around, you know, probably eating fish and chips, and say, okay, who is the noble birth? Okay, I'm talking about me, distant country, heaven. Uh, And so he breaks it down. So I'll kind of break it down for you as we go along. So he's speaking of himself, of noble birth, and he went to a distant country to have himself appointed king. And there's two things in that sentence that are going to really create our trajectory today. There's two things. The first thing is that he did not say that he went to a country and appointed himself. If we can bring that, that verse back up, I just want you to stare at it for a while or if you've got your Bible open too. But he had to have himself appointed. It did not say that he appointed himself. You have to read the sentence correctly because it's a big deal. 
In other words, Jesus, when he went back to heaven, there's something that happened. He did not appoint himself as king to, be, to have authority, but he, he presented himself, to have himself. He presented himself to be appointed king by somebody else that was the father. And then the other thing was then to return. We'll get to the then to return later on. But I want to park ourselves there to have himself appointed. Here's the core thing that we learn about God in this one statement. That even though God has authority over all things, he's willing to share that authority. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about your boss, your supervisor, or whatnot. But I've worked for plenty of bosses in my day that we knew that that was that boss's lane and nobody was going to get in that lane. And so it was very, very clear, I'm in charge, you're not in charge, let's repeat and rinse, I'm in charge, you're not in charge. And so God could be that way. But what we see is a, the character of God that he's, he just doesn't get jazzed just because he's in charge of everything, but in fact, he hands that authority over. It's different than delegating. It's different than I'm in charge and I'll let you paint the fence. No, you're in charge of the fence. You're in charge of the paint. You're in charge of what color the paint is, kind of brushes you're going to get, get some rollers of everything. I'm literally sharing my authority with you. This is key to our conversation because it's going to come at the end of our conversation. These two things are going to come in like a delta, and I am hoping that your jazzometer goes up at the end. All right? So um, uh, you got to file some things. So God is a sharer of his authority. So let's take, for example, his own son. At the end of Jesus' life, he was praying. We have that prayer recorded in John chapter 17. He begins this prayer in John chapter 17. He says, Father, the time has come. He was given a short runway, uh, even though that says John 17, 2. It's John 17, 1 and 2. So he begins this prayer and says, Father, the time has come. My, my runway is over. Now glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority. It does not say Jesus said, I granted myself authority, or I, because of who I am, I'm the son of the king of the universe, the, the God of the universe, I am entitled to this authority. No, it was granted, it was shared with him. You granted him authority over the people that he, they may give them eternal life to all those who have given me. In Matthew chapter 28, you might remember this is the great commission, as we call it. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It wasn't self-appointed. It was given to him. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, nine, God exalted him, Christ, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. John chapter 3, verse 35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. Do you see the sharing nature of God? This is important. Uh, let me tell you why. It's important because some people, many people, probably many people in this, in this room have had to work through or are working through what they see a God in their head, the image of God in their head based on the father that they've had in their own personal lives. 
And sometimes this, this image is created and it's not aligned, but it's the only thing we know because this is our experience and we equate our father or our boss or somebody that was over us and we say, well, God, that's how God is. How do I know that? I've sat across the table from too many people. I'm like, tell me what you think God is. And they'll tell me like, wow, let's, let's, start, let's start to allow the Bible to reshape that reality. And that may be you. So if you've had this image in your mind that God is in charge and it's all about rules and all about regulations, what we see is that we begin to peer into the heart of God and see that that's not as hard at all, that he's not just delegating, but he's saying, I've handed all things over to my son. Now, when we're reading that, you, you might think, okay, well, that's, that may be uh, somewhat uh, normal because that is his son, but how about us? And so when you look at not only that God handed that, that authority over to his son, but he also was willing to do it with us. I'm going to even take a wild guess here, or maybe an educated guess, that in heaven, before man was created, he also gave authority to certain angels, and they took advantage of it. And now, as we see, and as we will see in Psalm 108, that we've been created a little lower than those angels, and yet God was willing to take the risk again. Man and, and woman were created in the garden in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and we read that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That is, a, that is a transfer of authority. I'm giving you the ability, not just to you know, cut the weeds out of the garden, but I am letting you subdue it. And have dominion, which is authority, over the fish of the, of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on earth. And then God says to Adam, I'm going to let you name the animals. When you name things, that means you have full authority. He didn't give him any suggestions. He just said, I'm going to let you completely have authority over this whole operation. This is the heart of God. I do remember, I, some of you may have heard me say this before, but I, when I think about Adam uh, re, naming the animals, all of them, it was a great task. And uh, I always think, you know, probably at the beginning, he was really creative, uh, you know, like hippopotamus, you know, like five-syllable words. Is that five syllables? Hippopotamus. Yes, five syllables, uh, you know, orangutan, just these really, really, you know, uh, fun names. And then, I mean, I don't know how long it took. It had to take a long time. After a while, you know, it was like, Monkey, <laughs> donkey, you know, they start rhyming. I'm just, I'm thinking, this is just a guess, you know, like when he got to the end, you know, near the end, it's just like he's down to one syllable, cat, <laughs> rat, <laughs> gnat, <laughs> scrat, no, that's a cartoon, what? And then he started really naming them after what they did, because he was totally out of creativity, I was like, mm fly. <laughs> That's in my version of the Bible, by the way. We see a, uh, a, a commentary on this in Psalm, chap in Psalm 8, verse uh, 5. 
David said to God, you made humans a little lower than the heavenly beings, and yet you crowned him with glory and honor. This is a big deal. We don't, I mean, it would take a long time for us to break this down on Sunday morning, but the pecking order was that you had angels and you had men underneath. But at the end of time and eternity, this is going to be reversed. Um, I'll leave it at that, but that's going to be reversed. But even though we were created a little lower than the angels, verse 6, you made him, man, ruler over the works of your hands, and you put everything under his feet, all the flocks and herds, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swims in the paths of the sea, just like we saw in Genesis chapter 1. Okay, that's the first part of the story of Luke chapter 19, that there was a man of noble birth, and he went and had himself appointed king by one that was willing to share authority. This is the core of God. He's not like that, but he's more like that. He's more of a sharer. He's like, man, you be in charge of it. You have authority. This, this, is, this is a big part. Okay, now we get to the part of the story that he had himself appointed king, and then to return. This is the economy of God. The economy of God works uh, like this, and, and we're going to go back to Luke chapter 19, verse 13. And so he begins to tell the story. So he got this, this person of noble birth. He goes, he is appointed king. So Christ is now given all authority. But then he's going to return. In verse 13 of Luke 19, so he called 10 of his servants and he gave them 10 minas. Uh, now these minas were from Boston. Sorry. <laughs> That's probably not all that funny. But... Uh, it's about three months' salary. It's about three months' salary, okay? So keep that in mind. So he gave, he gave to them three months' salary. And watch the economy of God. Put this money to work until I come back. The economy of God works like this. Then everybody's life, God gives something to you may have a gift in one thing, another person has a gift in, in another thing, but it is, has great value, okay? It has great value. Maybe you've got a really sharp business mind. Maybe you've got, a, 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 you can, you're like David. You, like, you can just probably see the building before it's even finished. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're, you're a writer. Maybe you're an accountant. Maybe you're, you know, a business owner. Maybe whatever those things are, God has given to you those things, in addition to that, God has given us spiritual things, that some people have the gift of mercy, the gift of compassion, the gift of guiding, the gift of wisdom, the gift of teaching, the, gift, the different gifts. So we got these uh, everyday gifts that God gives to us, and then he's got these spiritual gifts to us. And then for all of us who are Christ followers, he gives us this amazing treasure called the gospel that we can share with other people. So when we look at that, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of salary that God has given to us. But that salary comes like any other economy, any other working place. When we pay somebody to do something at work, there is an expectation that that work will get done within a given amount of time. God's economy. Why is it that when Jesus comes to this topic all the time, 
there is a return. Why is that? Just to make us happy and hopeful? I don't think so. But to urge us to understand that the economy of God is that when we're outside, I don't know if anybody got caught in the downpour. Uh, I, got, I got caught in the downpour. I was coming out the front door this morning with my, um, my 14-year-old. I opened the umbrella, and the exact second I opened the umbrella, whoosh, the roof just started torrentially, you know, like a water spout inside my umbrella, <laughs> which defeated the purpose of the umbrella. And so when, I, when we're in that downpour this morning, just if you think of one little raindrop, if you, could ha- if you had the ability, when it was coming down, everybody see it coming down this morning? When it was coming down, if you had the ability to go, I got one, one little raindrop. That one little raindrop represents the economy of God because that one little raindrop is your entire life. And what comes after your entire life is all the rest of the rain. That this one little speck that we call life that seems so long at times is actually so short in the, in the midst of eternity. And the economy of God is you've got one little raindrop because it's pouring rain in heaven. And what you do on the earth during that one little raindrop really, really matters as to what is coming in eternity. Now, what I'm not saying here, I'm going to be real careful. What I'm not saying is that what you do here will save you for eternity. We know that, okay? Most of us know that, but it's worth saying. We're not earning our way to God. This story is for those who have already freely received the forgiveness that God offers at no cost to us, at all cost to his son. And we've received that gift, and now we are, we are followers. We're, we, we're in love with God, and now he's given us some treasure to do with in our little raindrop because it will matter in eternity. Let me say it another way if you're like, I'm still trying to figure that raindrop thing out. All right? Life is going to seem like one second, and then you step into eternity, and we can't even imagine the millions and millions of years. I believe that because Christ came from eternity and he's telling a story of him going back to eternity and he knows how amazing eternity is, then he has the right and the only right of anybody on the planet to come back while he's on earth and say, I'm telling you, use that second of your life for the glory and the advancing of God and his kingdom. Because here is going to be amazing. Amazing. And it won't just be floating on clouds and all that silliness. It's going to be God. Are you ready? Delta time. It's going to be God sharing his authority in eternity. Do I have your attention? There's going to be something that God is sharing that Jesus is going to share in this story. But I found this, I, I rediscovered this, this passage today, uh, this, this week, and I thought, have you ever been going through, rifling through your closet, and, you know, you're looking at the shirts like, no, too old, too small, too small, too small, too, that, that's my dialogue. <laughs> Let's try it on, whoa, way too small. <laughs> 
But then you found a shirt you forgot that you, that you, uh, you, know, you bought. It might even have a price tag on it because when you bought it, you thought you were going to lose down to it and be able to wear it. Okay, I've got a few of those. And so, uh, but there it is. I'm like, dude, I completely forgot I had that shirt. I love that shirt. I could probably wear that in 10 months from now. So that's, that's pretty cool. And I saw this passage. I'm like, wow. I forgot that was hanging in the closet. Now, the context may be the reason why I forgot it was hanging in the closet because in the context, Paul's talking about he's, him being single and he didn't, he's not caught up in things that, you know, as families, that take our time, et cetera. But when you take this, this shirt out of the closet, it is really incredible. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. He's talking about a lot of things, and then he says, what I mean, brothers... He, even like Jesus, he's breaking it down. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. That's his context. The time is short. And from now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Now, let me explain that. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> Before you get that surfboard in your, <laughs> take out the old fishing reel and rod. <laughs> back it up. Let me read the whole thing in context, and then I'll come back to that. For those of you who have wives should live as if they have none. Those who mourn as if they did not mourn. Those who are happy as if they were not happy. Those who buy something if it's not, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For in this world, for this world, watch this. He's given us a clue. In this present form, it's going to pass away. There's going to be a new heaven and earth. In this present form, it's passing away. What he's saying is, look, if you have kids, love them. No problem. But that is not your central purpose here on earth. If you're married, awesome. Be faithful. Love your wife, just like Christ loved the church. Got to put all things together. But, but your wife is not Jesus. And your activities and the things you own and the things you buy and all this, be careful and live an as-if life. You got these things, but live as-if. Because you and I know that as human beings, we can get fixated on things and stuff and people and blah, 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 and activities and all these things. And what, what Paul's saying, what I mean, brothers, is it's short. And this is why Jesus told the story about the talents and the minas and many things about the coming because he's like, man, guys, I've been there. And God has proven that he's willing to share authority and he's going to share it there. So Jesus continues with the story. And as you know, there was a return. He came back in the story of cut some out. He came back. The king came back. He's now appointed king. And he says, hey, let me call in the treasure I gave to you. And we, if you know the story, you understand that one came back and multiplied, another came back and multiplied, another came back and didn't do anything with it. I'm just going to focus on one of those things because it shows us the consistency 
of the character of God. Watch this. The first one came back to the king, and he said, Sir, your salary, your mina, has earned ten more. Well done, the king said, my good and faithful servant, the master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. That means you've got authority over Dallas, Chicago, San Francisco, Boston, New York, uh, Atlanta. Just think about that. This is not the idiotic picture we have in our mind, ling, 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 on a cloud. And had God not shared his authority all through life, we'd like, really? But because he shared it fully with his son, he shared it fully with Adam, he shares it fully with us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are speaking as, as, as God is making his appeal through us. He's given this team that went to the Dominican Republic, he gave them the authority to speak the gospel on God's behalf, as he does with us every day. And so it makes complete sense with the character and the economy of God that when we get to heaven, then God is saying, that little short raindrop, whatever you did with that is all that life is, is a big interview. Life is a big interview and a little raindrop. How about that? And in that time, we will step into eternity and we will see the core character of God, and he wants to share with us this unending government. Isaiah chapter 9 says it this way. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. There is no end to the government of God. I guess we land today by just asking a simple question. What you doing in your raindrop? Because it matters. And the hope that God gives to us from a God who shows his character from the beginning to end, that he wants to share with us his authority, even in eternity. We just have to live as if. As if we own stuff, but we live as if we don't. I'm going through a hard time, I'm going to live as if I don't. I'm going through an amazing time, but I'm going to live as if, in other words, I'm not going to make that central I'm going to make Christ central. I'm going to make his kingdom central. And I believe that the only way we find ourselves in that position, once again, is at the foot of the cross to remind us over and over, oh, this is what this is about. I'd like to pray with you. Father, thank you <clears throat> for the core of who you are, the heart, God, of who you are. I thank you, Father, for the, the compassion that you've shown to us that what we do in this little raindrop matters. You've shown us, God, that there's something to hope for rather than just being in heaven, which is glorious, but we're going to be busy. So God, today, very simply, just pray that your Holy Spirit would just do some calibrating because I feel like we need it. 
on a daily basis. We come to Christ and we recognize all that he gave up and and humbled himself and became obedient to the cross, even the death of a cross. And therefore, you highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above all names. And there you are again, sharing, God, your authority. I wonder in this room who has created an image in their mind of a, of that you're mean, God, that you're angry, that you're about rules. And maybe today, Father, we see that someone sees it has a breakthrough, like, wow, that's not who you are, God. Maybe someone in this room has a breakthrough today that this life is not about earning our way to you, God. It is about starting a new spiritual life by reaching out to Christ. Thank you, Father, that you came to earth. You laid your son down, Jesus, and to die on the cross to forgive us all of our sins. And I wonder who is with us today, like so many of us who've come to the realization, man, I need God in my life. And Christ puts our minds to ease, my friend, that you don't have to earn your way or be religious enough or go to church, but it's coming to Christ and recognizing that without Christ, there's no hope, but Christ has given hope. Christ has given forgiveness. Christ is giving eternal life. If you'll just reach out and say, God, that's what I want, not my ambitions, my good behavior, all those things. And I want my sins forgiven, Christ. And I'm asking you to take this life of mine and, and give me your life in exchange. God will be faithful to that prayer, no matter how simple, no matter how raw. Father, we thank you, God, today for your uh, compassion to, to, to love us and to bring us into eternity so that we may serve the King of kings and Lord of lords for eternity, for eternity. So help us, God, to live an as-if life we own things, but live as if we didn't. We may be mourning, but live as if we're not. We may be happy, but live as if we're not. But to be centered on Christ and his kingdom. Thank you, Father, for these things. In the name of Jesus, amen.